Purdue big man Zach Eady is the clear and obvious frontrunner to sweep all of the 2024 National Player Year of the Awards, just like he did last year. But that hadn't happened a back-to-back winner in a long time. So can he do it? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoops show out there. Yes, even right now at the end of July. Tomorrow is August, but today it's July and we're still with you. That's my guy, Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade, and it is a joy, as always, to join you on today's show. And we want to thank you, especially you everydayers, for being here with us. We're going to have a little fun treat right off the top here. And uh, if you're a guest or you're new here, welcome into the fire. I'm about to get some trivia questions at Andy Patton, see if he can answer them, and then it'll all make sense why we're starting with that. So, Andy, there are six current nationally recognized National Player of the Year awards, which a, it just seems ridiculous and silly to me. Why can't we condense that? But anyway, they are the Naismith, the AP, the Wooden Award, the Robertson Award, the NABC, that's the one from the coaches, and the Sporting News. And I bring those up because, Andy, I want to start today's show asking you several trivia questions about the National Player of the Year Awards. And folks listening and watching, this is fun for you, too, because you can pause the show or like be like sighing and screaming at Andy as he doesn't figure these answers out. And so let (laughs) me that one. (laughs) (laughs) So here we go. Andy of the six national player of the year awards, which one do you think is the oldest? Ooh. um... And again, Naismith AP wooden Robertson NABC and sporting news. I'm going to guess AP. Is that right? It is not right. Dang it. And I was I would I was thinking like if I hadn't looked at the answers, I would have either guessed Naismith or AP. The oldest is actually Sporting News, oh, yeah, which I would have thought was the newest, honestly. Yeah, wouldn't have guessed so, that. That one goes back all the way to 5758. Wow. Now, Andy, the flip side of that question, trivia question number 2. Which is the youngest or the newest of the six National Player of the Year awards? I'm going to guess NABC on that one. I would have two. And again, we, no, I said I would guess Sporting News. I would guess NABC second. It's actually the Wooden Award. The Wooden Award is the, the newest. The Wooden Award is the newest. 1976-77 is when it comes into play. Andy, here's the next one. Number three. I say Andy and all of you guys as well. When was the last time we had a consensus winner of the National Player of the Year Awards, meaning won all six of them? All six of them? Yes. Okay. I feel like that's probably happened more recently, but it'd have to be like a really dominant college basketball player. Um, Was it after 2000? Very much so. Okay. So it's much more recent. That's what I would have thought. Um, Did Sheboy do it? He did. But okay. somebody did it more recently. <laughs> Zach Eady did it he last did. year. All of them. Okay. All right. In fact, mm-hmm. each of the last three years, it's mm-hmm. been a consensus. Zach Eady last year, Oscar yeah. Sheboy two years ago. Do you remember who it was the year before that? From Iowa? 
Oh, uh, Garza. That's right. Now, yeah. the year before that, it was not consensus. Obi Toppin had mm-hmm. five of the six, but Garza grabbed the Sporting News. That's right. Prior to that, we had three in a row as well. In 2018-19 was Zion. Mm-hmm. year before that, Jalen Brunson. And the year before that, I could not have pulled this one. It was Frank Mason III oh, wow. was in uh, back in, that would have been 17. 16, so, yeah, 17. So that means we've had a consensus National Player of the Year in six of the last seven seasons and eight mm-hmm. of the last ten. Pretty crazy stuff there. All right, yeah. Andy, here's the last trivia question. There has only been, in the young history of the Wooden Award, what was it going back to 76, 77, mm-hmm. one repeat winner, one back-to-back winner of this award. Who was it? Oh, man. I, I told you beforehand that I had a few guesses prepped, and both of the guesses that I had would have been in the early 70s before this award existed. I was assuming it was going to be uh, Lou Alcindor, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or Bill Walton. But yes. Who did, I should say, they both did repeat in the in the other five. Well, that makes me feel better. Yeah. So you're <laughs> not wrong. Wooden Award repeaties, uh, repeaters. Oh, man. Um, man, I'm going to guess kind of arbitrarily Ralph Sampson. In the yes. Oh, yes. you're kidding me, really? No, good pull. <laughs> Ralph Sampson, Virginia, in the 81-82 uh, season, yeah. 82-83 season. Look so, at that. There you go. Andy, you get... It right. Let me send you over a box of cookies or something. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, the yes, the other awards have had some repeats, some back to backs. But the reason I made that trivia question the last, the reason we did this is here's the question of the day that we teased in the cold open Can Zach Eady repeat as the national player of the year? And, and let's give it a little bit of this framework. We're going to use this framework later, but there's a betting website out there who's not FanDuel, our official betting partner here on Locked On. So we're not going to mention their name, no free ads. They've put out their betting odds for the Wooden Award. They had 23 total names on the list. And Andy, Zach Eady is the clear and far away front runner on this list. So can he do it? It hadn't happened since 1976, 77. Mm-hmm. No, 81, 82, 83. Yeah. Can, can Edie be the one to break the spell? Yeah, yes, I think he can. I doesn't necessarily think mean that I think that he will, um, but Edie comes into a really favorable situation. Yeah. He's obviously returning to school with basically all of his teammates. The people who were around him when he won National Player of the Year last year are pretty much all still here. And I would think, like, having not done the prior research, but when you look at some of these candidates who didn't repeat, who maybe were close to, like Garza or like Sheway or, or some of those guys, they had more talent departing their program. They had <laughs> Or Garza graduated. You know, right. So well, Garza graduated, but they had... Uh, Garza was a candidate the year before, too. Yes, um, that's a great point. And in fact, one, as we just said, one yeah, of them against Obi one of them, So he was close. Yeah. Um, but I think I think a big part of it is is continuity in college basketball has just changed so much. And for Purdue, they're in a situation where they're bringing everybody back. You know, they're bringing back Mason Gillis, they're bringing back Fletcher Lawyer, they're bringing back Braden Smith. Like they have this same group of players, and, and so many of those guys were were young last year, and that was a lot of what kind of did them in in their struggles. You know, against Indiana in the Big Ten, what did them in, of course, against Fairleigh Dickinson in the NCAA tournament. And I think the flip side of this conversation is there is now a blueprint that exists that people can watch on how to beat Purdue. And so Matt Painter and their staff is going to have to figure out how to stop that and how to kind of get around some of that stuff that that plagued them last year, particularly in that NCAA tournament game. But Zach Eady is uh, 
he's the same player he was last year. He's really big. He's really skilled with the basketball. He didn't uh, shrink. He didn't get smaller. Yeah, he didn't shrink as far as wow. I know. I, you know we haven't crazy. seen anything. Okay. That's um, good to know. I, I think Zach Eady has a great chance, a, a, maybe a better chance than a lot of people recently because of just how skilled he is and how dominant he was last year and how much continuity there is between those two rosters. Having said that, there's a lot of really talented players in college basketball and, and people thought Chibwe would repeat. People thought so-and-so would repeat going back and back and, you know, and, and guys didn't do that. There's somebody else emerges very regularly. So right now, sure. Zach is the preferred favorite. He's the betting favorite. He should be the betting favorite. He probably should be the betting favorite by the time the season starts, but it wouldn't shock me if he's not the guy pulling the award home at the end of the year. Yeah, those are all great points, Andy. I, I love what you said about so many times it's a guy that ends up having a ton of talent around him. I mean, mm-hmm. last year with Shibuya, I think his his preseason injuries certainly hurt him and set him back. But then just Kentucky having as much talent as they always yeah. do, even though they had not a good year by their standards, mm-hmm. is the same. With Purdue, yeah, I, I think all the points you made are so spot on. The way I'll phrase it is Matt Painter – and then the rest of the players know where their bread is buttered, and that is Zach Eady. And so there's no reason not to go back to that well. Yes, they're going to have to come up with some new wrinkles. Yes, they're going to have to figure some things out. I mean, I think a lot of that is just getting older, right? Like both of those guards you talked about, Smith and Lawyer, yeah. both being sophomores. We talked so much last year, and Leaf Tulin and I talked about this a week or two ago, mm-hmm. um, about just, just them being sophomores I think is going to be a huge deal yeah. for this ball club. And, um, but yeah, history says probably won't happen, but man, as you so well put it there, Andy, he's in a better place than just about anybody I've seen in recent history, just in terms of the makeup around him and and what you see around the country. So I I think it's a great call. I, I think I'm going to have to wait to see what I'm going to answer in the next segment about whether I think he'll pull it back or not, but man, it'll be interesting to watch. And like we've both said, I think he's in good position to do it. Well, Isaac, I, if it's not Zach Eady, who's going to take home the National Player of the Year honors, who might it be? Because this particular betting website, who will remain nameless, uh, did not just list Zach Eady. They listed 22 other players. They listed 11 other players who had 400 to 1 or greater odds for National Player of the Year. So we're going to talk about those candidates and some guys who maybe didn't make that list, who we might, who we think might be on that list by midseason. Before we get into that, though, today's episode of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it is all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you get your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. Folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners and shout out to those of you checking out the show on YouTube. You can go hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you have not done so yet. It is very much appreciated. We got a pair of fantastic 
interviews conducted by my good friend Isaac Shade on Tuesday and Wednesday's show here at the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. They are very, very fun. Really excited for you all to get a chance to listen to them, and we'll be back with more coverage of conference realignment, of late transfer portal news, everything else going on in college basketball later the week. It's going to be a really fun one as we get into August. But Isaac, right now, we're talking National Player of the Year odds. Zach Eady, the clear favorite right now. Understandably, he took home the award last year. He returns to a team that keeps most of the same, basically all of the same talent a team expected to be in that top five conversation, even after a disastrous early NCAA tournament loss last year. But again, there are a handful of other players on this list. And I'm going to read here the players listed after Zach Eady. And again, Zach Eady is at plus 175 right now, which is pretty darn good odds. Like that's uh, that's really high to see at this point in the season. After that, you have Kyle Filipowski and Hunter Dickinson, each at 700. Armando Baycott at 1,600. Max Acemis, 2,200. Tyler Kolek. Umar Balo, Donovan Klingon, all at 2,500. Caleb Love, from former North Carolina guard, now at Arizona. He's at 3,300. Isaiah Collier, the only freshman on this list, interestingly enough, of course, coming in to USC. He's at 3,300. RJ Davis at North Carolina is at 4,000. And then Tyson Walker rounds out the group at 4,000. Isaac, quick question for you. Let's get right into it. You got 11 players on this list and then also Zach Eady. Let's uh, let's have that conversation. Who are you taking? Zach Eady versus the field, not the entire field, not every single division one player, Ooh. but Zach Eady versus this particular group of players who are considered the favorites outside of him okay. at this point to take home national player of the year. Oh, man, I mean, mathematically, it makes sense to take the field. In, mm-hmm. in any scenario like this. And mm-hmm. I, but I, I do want to not just, you know, chalk it up to science and math. Uh, let me give some specifics. I'll, I know they're the next two guys on the list after him, but they're mm-hmm. there for a reason. Right. Duke getting Kyle Filipowski back, I think is one of the like probably top five storylines of college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, losing the, cause the big, talking points last year were whitehead and lively yeah. even though filipowski was the dude all along just by nature of how injuries played out and stuff mm-hmm. i think duke getting back what they have they also know where their bread is buttered if i can yeah. use that phrase again mm-hmm. and i think he's just going to have a massive year he will have to share some with some other really talented players but i think there's enough to go around in their system yeah but man when i look at kansas and what I think Bill Self's going to do for Hunter Dickinson, not to mention having with him the guy that I think, I don't know if he'll be the best point guard in the nation because I really like Tyrese Proctor, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, top three point guards in the nation and Dwan Harris yeah. will be huge for Dickinson. And so just even those two guys alone, I don't think it's smart of me to say Edie. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to have to take the field on that one. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm going to take the field and I'm going to take the field in part because of basically what you just said, really about Filipowski and Dickinson, but primarily Dickinson, because I just think he's in such a good position to put up the kind of in order to win National Player of the Year, you need to put up gaudy numbers. You need to have success against good opponents. You need to have overall team success. Kansas is set up to do all of those things. Hunter Dickinson is set up to be the guy. Dewan Harris is one of the best passing, facilitating, distributing point guards in the country. He's one of the best point guards, period. But especially at that skill, getting other people the ball, 
in a position to score. He excels at that. The rest of the team around Kansas is kind of built for Hunter Dickinson to succeed. You can have a two-man game with Nick Timberlake because he's a really good three-point shooter and he doesn't do a ton else. You have Kevin McCollar, who is basically on the floor for what he does on the defensive end of the floor and not necessarily for his contributions offensively. KJ Adams is a great player, but he's kind of more of a rim runner, rebounder type. Like To me, Hunter Dickinson is the focal point of what could be one of the best peer offenses and peer teams in the entire country. And I think you consider that Kansas is going to play, you know, Baylor and Houston and Kansas State and Iowa. They're going to play all these really, really good teams throughout the Big 12 play. And Hunter Dickinson is just going to eat every <laughs> single game. And I, to me, like, it's really hard to ignore what looks like a pretty clear path towards Dickinson in that conversation. And I'm not saying his odds should be better than Edie's. They shouldn't be. I think he, him being tied for second with Filipowski for the best odds kind of makes sense. But to me, I look at the rest of this list and there are some guys who I think have outside chances. Like I could understand throwing 2,500 on Donovan Klingon as a yep. guy who's going to replace Adama Sonogo and like, Hey, yeah, maybe that might work. You know, I'm a lot less confident about some of the guards towards the bottom of this list. But again, there's a reason that they're 4,001 right now. But to <laughs> me, Edie is not so far ahead of Filipowski and Dickinson and even Baycott to an extent where yeah. I would feel confident saying he's definitely going to win it over all of those guys. But uh, there's a reason he's at the top, but I, I really like yeah. the kind of t- whole top five out of this group here, I think has a really good chance of taking home that award. And interesting. So Andy, we did this as we talked about our AP preseason top 10 last year, and I want to kind of take a similar approach here. As you look at this list of 12 names, mm-hmm. Who do you believe like will fall off? Like we get to the midseason update and maybe a name or two that's no longer on this list. Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, and and I should say performance based, not injury based. Yeah, of course. Right. Hopefully nobody falls off the list because of injuries, although injuries do happen. Of course, to me, I'm a little surprised to see Caleb Love and Isaiah Collier on this list. Um, again, 3,300 is the odds that they have, so it's not insanely high. Uh, Caleb Love comes into a new situation in Arizona. I think he's absolutely going to get a lot of opportunities. Uh, it's a high-scoring offense, high-octane offense. To me, I'm just not sure I see a path to him being that caliber of player. He might be very good, he, but uh, to me, he's like an, a relatively empty 18 points per game on a good Arizona team. Doesn't put him over the top. Like you have Jaden Bradley coming into the mix as well. You have Keelan Boswell, who's going to be a really big piece for them. Yes. Uh, of course, you have Umar Balo, who's going to need plenty of touches. There's a reason he's on this list, although I'm a little skeptical there. I'm not I'm not a hater on Arizona necessarily. I just don't know that the pieces they have are going to lend themselves to one player emerging as an actual national player of the year candidate. Tubelis did last year, but they didn't have as much scoring from the guards as they're going to have this year. So for Balo to step up into a higher scoring role could happen, but you have Caleb Love who, I mean, we know more than anybody, he's a chucker. He's going to take a lot of shots. So I'm not sure I could see Balo and Love. I think they might work okay together, but I don't really see either of them emerging as a national player of the year candidate with Collier. uh, Obviously the Bronny James situation may help him in the sense that he could uh, take on a a bigger role as the, at the, point guard position without Bronny. If, if Bronny doesn't play, we don't know any specifics on what Bronny's health situation is at, at this point, but I, I'm not sure I see it there. USC would have to be like really good. Like they'd have to win the PAC 12 or at the very least be second in the PAC 12 behind Arizona. Uh, they could totally do that. I think if they did that, it would probably be because of 
somebody else who I might address in a another question <laughs> that we're going to ask. Um, but I'm not sure I see Collier really contending for national player of the year. Well, and the Boogie Ellis part of yes, it all. That's exactly. Oh. Boogie Ellis should be on this list. Quite yeah. honestly, he should be on this list. Uh, Boogie Ellis averaged 19, seven, 18 a game last year. Now he's in a position where if Bronny's not in the mix, he's going to have even more touches, even more. To, I mean, he shot 38% last year from three on six and a half attempts per game. If USC is a top seed in the in the Pac-12, it's not going to be Collier who's in the National Player of the Year conversation. It's going to be Boogie. Yeah. Did I just blow up your spot? Was that who you're going to No, yeah, Well, you did, but that's fine. <laughs> I, you know what? I really, I'm sorry, but you know what? Great minds, apparently. Yeah, exactly. right on um, the one I would see falling off outside, like agree with everything you just said. Um, another thing, let me just add one thing on Caleb Love is just the inefficiency. I think that plays into it with him as well yeah. and the lack of defensive focus. Um, the only person I'd add is Tyson Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's less about him and more about Michigan State. And it's funny because it's actually a good thing about Michigan State, yeah. but but how they play and like, I mean, I expect them to be a top five team this year. And a lot of times, as you've said about one of these guys, can't remember who it was. Now, maybe it was Dickinson, best player on the best team, basically. Yeah. Um, I think Michigan State's going to be phenomenal and Tyson Walker will probably be, I, I, I just, it's like the thing with Michigan State always is it's like, I could see two or three of those guys being their best player on any given night. Right. And that's great for their team. It's not so good for individual awards. And if I'm Tom Izzo and a Michigan state fan, I'd rather have the former rather than the latter. Right. But I think kind of because of those team reasons, I just don't see Tyson Walker having that level of success with it. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and I think the last thing that I kind of wanted to talk about here is like, so a few of these guys are going to fall off the list. Who's going to get added? When we do Whoa. this in mid-season, when we're talking late December, January, whenever it might be, who are some guys who didn't make this initial list of 12 that, that you think might be in this conversation? We already kind of talked about Boogie Ellis, who I think we both agree should should and could be in this conversation, especially if Bronny isn't playing much. But are there other guys that kind of that strike you as, as potential mid-season National Player of the Year contenders? Mm-hmm. I mentioned Tyrese Proctor earlier from Duke, and I, I worry about like splitting votes with Filipowski. But man, I think he's just Duke, I think will be a top five team as well as Michigan State. I I really wouldn't be surprised to see him turn out as the best point guard in the nation this year, which is funny because most people probably think, oh, Jeremy Roach, right? Well, right. let's not forget midseason last year, they switched and Tyrese Proctor became the main ball handler for the Blue Devils. Mm-hmm. Uh, love John Shire's willingness to do that, right? Even over a, a veteran like Roach, but Proctor has the size, the willingness, the capability, obviously lots of phenomenal talent around him and, and is like just blends that scoring and, and helping teammates well that a lot of other lead guards feel like don't do. They're like, yeah, I'm a scoring guard. Okay, I'll hand it off to somebody every now and again. Um, and so I think he's one. I think somebody that I'm, I'm going to guess we both have on our list, and so I'll just go ahead and, and say it is. But let me let me put it kind of even more boldly than I was planning on. I think I would have Ryan Kalkbrenner on this list over Donovan Klingon. Mm-hmm. I, I think he would be like my top Big East choice to have on this list, Andy, um, which is, again, same thing I said about Michigan State. This is nothing against Donovan Klingon. I think he's mm-hmm. going to have a phenomenal basketball yeah. season. But, man, that like what Creighton's bringing back. I mean, just even that big trio of Trey Alexander and Baylor Shireman and Cockbrenner, as long as he doesn't get mono again, right. I, I think he's hopping onto this list. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kalkbrenner was mine too. I had 16 points a game last year, six boards, uh, 72% on two-pointers last year. 72%. The man is insanely efficient around the rim. 31.5% from three is not elite, but he was 79% from the free throw line. A little bit of improvement as an outside shooter, super highly efficient around the rim. He continues to block a lot of shots. If Creighton ends up being in that top three Big East conversation, which is going to be difficult with how loaded that conference is, Kalkbrenner is going to be in this conversation, unquestionably. Well, Andy, man, that's fun conversation. I can't wait till we, it's so, it just makes me so excited for November. Let's go. So ready. (laughs) The big news, obviously, uh, at the end of last week is Colorado's official move to the Big 12 and why we still don't know all the dominoes and how everything's going to fall. We explore where we're at right now, what could happen, all of that coming up in just a second. All right, folks, we're talking this Colorado news. Andy, I led Friday's show with the cold open of saying, folks, finally I can stop trying to remind myself that Colorado's in the Pac-12 because they're not anymore. And this is great news because literally anytime, like, you know how people like sheep, counting sheep to fall asleep? Yeah. I like name the conference teams to fall asleep. That's that's what I do. And so it's like always an exercise of like, I name all the Pac-12 pairs, the historic pairs, and then I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Col- okay, oh, Colorado. Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, and so I don't have to worry about that anymore because they're back in the Big 12. But, um, Andy, so I got to talk about the Big 12 angle of this on Friday. I got to talk with Spencer McLaughlin, our Pac-12 host, about the Pac-12 angle of it on Friday. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important for you and I to have, at this point, what's a brief conversation here towards mm-hmm. the end of the show. But, Andy, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think Colorado adds to the Big 12 which will, when they come in, by the way, be a big 13. Yeah, it's interesting because Colorado doesn't appear to have had a ton of success on the basketball court, really, in the Pac-12. Tad Boyle has been a really solid coach. He's been the coach. He coached them the entirety of their time in the Pac-12. I think his first year was their last year in the Big 12. But this upcoming season, which they will still be in the Pac-12, is kind of one of the more exciting Colorado basketball rosters we've seen in a long time. And of course, Trying to project what that means for 2024 is impossible because I don't know how much of Colorado's roster is going to stick together. I don't know how things are necessarily going to go this year, but this particular roster right now looks pretty good. They add Eddie Lampkin from TCU, which that's the kind of thing you're going to maybe see some more of. A school like Colorado poaching a solid starter from the Big 12 didn't used to happen very often. And now with them going to the Big 12, it's probably going to happen more. I think a lot about how Baylor fans must feel watching LJ Cryer go to Houston and now they have to face him in the conference. Colorado is not going to recruit as well as Houston necessarily, but they're probably going to get an uptick just by moving into the Big 12. Certainly, that's going to happen on the football side of things. Dion is going to be all over those Texas backfields getting some talent. But for basketball, it's certainly not going to hurt either. And I think you look at this team, they add TC or they add Lampkin from TCU. They add Cody Williams, who's like a top five prospect in the class, younger brother of Jalen Williams, who's absolutely crushing it for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Shout out the Santa Clara Broncos, where he went to school. Uh, they also returned Tristan De Silva and KJ Simpson. So for me, this Colorado team is looking really good for their final year in the Pac-12. Could that build them some momentum with the, you know, the knowledge from the recruits and transfers that, hey, we're going to the Big 12 next year. We're going to play Kansas. We're going to play Houston. We're going to play Baylor. We're, you know, we're going to play all these teams. And I think it could set Colorado up to kind of 
carry some momentum from this final season in the Pac-12 and, and start things strong in the Big 12? Are they going to be a, a legitimate contender for the top of the Big 12? No, probably not. Are they going to even finish top half? I'm not sure. I, my guess is kind of right in that range, but finishing in the middle of the pack in the Big 12 puts you in the middle like of the seed. <laughs> <laughs> like the pit, fit, middle of the pack in the Pac-12 is not an NCAA tournament team. You have to go to the top three teams in the Pac-12 to make the NCAA tournament. I think four made it last year, but one was the play-in game. If you finish seventh in the Big 12, you're going to the NCAA tournament. I mean, unquestionably going to the NCAA tournament. So for Colorado, I think they could make the big dance this year out of the Pac-12 and carry that momentum to start things strong in the Big 12. And it's a, another loss for the Pac-12 if they watch USC have a great year and they watch Colorado have a good year and maybe UCLA, they, it sounds like they're making some additions that could put them back in the mix to be a, a really, really solid team next year. If those three teams finish one, two, three in the Pac-12, which is totally doable, what a devastating final season for those three schools uh, for the rest of the Pac-12. Uh, really, really tough stuff to see. But that's what it is. And we're going to continue to have updates on this story, on this conversation. The Big 12 is, is looking at, they're not done. They're not going to be at 13 next year. Are they going to add Arizona, the two, the, the two Arizona schools? Are they going to add Utah? Are they going to poach other schools that aren't necessarily in the, in the Power 6 level right now? All of that stuff is going to be determined at another time. And we're going to come back and have recaps and analysis on all that stuff, what it means for basketball. I know most people focus on realignment from a football perspective, but that's what makes not here, baby. Not here, baby. Talk about round ball. Most people are talking about Deion Sanders when they talk about Colorado moving to the Big 12. We're here talking about Tad Freaking Boyle, and I love every single that's right. I love that that's the conversation we get to have here. And we're going to come back next week. We got like we said, a pair of really fun interviews set up by Isaac that are going to start out the week next week. We'll come back with whatever updates we have on conference realignment, transfer portal stuff. I know we got some Memphis conversation that we're going to sneak in there next week as well. All that coming your way right here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Of course, it is available wherever you get your podcasts. We are available on YouTube as well. Go hit that subscribe button. Give us a follow on Twitter or X if you prefer to call it that. You can leave us a review on iTunes, all that great stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Happy start of August as we get into August tomorrow for those of you listening to the show on Monday. And of course, until next time, peace out.